We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to the March 15th edition, the Wednesday edition of the Worldwide NFL Podcast, brought to you by our, our friends at Underdog. It's NFL Free Agency Live today. Uh, both Jim Coventry and I are not fans of anything legal or illegal tampering. So we are recognizing today as the start of, of free agency as the NFL is too. We're going to be going live with all the instant reaction of news that is happening or has happened. There is a certain quarterback that may or may not be in Green Bay much longer that we'll discuss as well too. Lots on, uh, on tap for today's show. So stick around. Again, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Underdog. It's the March 15th version. Also, free agency day, new league year for the NFL. And Jim, this is literally why we're doing it right now live. We have breaking news that happened. It's going to shake the world. Of course, a quarterback change that we've been discussing and planning for a while now. It's Jacoby Brissett uh, has opted to sign with a team. Uh, and and the news, the fact that it took this long to get out there, I think is kind of interesting. Brissett's going to sign with the Washington Commanders. So an interesting little move there. We had the Falcons, and we'll talk about them a little bit later on in the show, adding their veteran quarterback. This is a perfect example of another team adding a, adding a veteran quarterback to somebody uh, to to bolster the quarterback room that some were anticipating was going to be led by a rookie from this past class. Again, Desmond uh, Ritter for the Falcons, Sam Howell for the Commanders, Jacoby Brissett, your, uh, your veteran quarterback. This is the type of action that you can expect for the next hour plus as we are live for NFL free agency. I don't want to uh, just ignore your intro here, Jim. I want to I want to hear your takes. Uh, and, and I want to get your best Pat McAfee impression. This is my first time watching him live, uh, and I have thoughts, but I'll, I'll let you I'll let you get to uh, everything that you're excited for today. Yeah, just again another opportunity. Players in new places, new opportunities, opportunity to break this down, change our fantasy seasonal rankings, and just get ready to rock with it. So yeah, ready to go, Joe. Wow, that was uh, about as bad of a Pat McAfee impersonation as you can get. Uh, the Packers are obviously the worst franchise in NFL history for how <laughs> dare they slandered my boy and friend of AJ Hawk, who does nothing on the show for some reason, 
Aaron Rodgers. That that's my uh, that's my McAfee impression. I love I love McAfee. Uh, love him in WWE, and uh, just because I'm a biased Packers fan, uh, does not make that any less true. So, of course, we're having all the news uh, coming of moves that have happened previously. So we think back to the Bears trading their number one overall pick to the Panthers. You have the DJ Moore thing officially set. You have other signings that have occurred uh, since Monday as as well taking place. We're gonna do our best to hit all of the relevant fantasy news and information. Um, that has happened Monday, Tuesday, and of course today, again, breaking off with the, the leading quarterback in Jacoby Brissett. That's what everyone wants to hear about. I, I'm curious, though, uh, Jim, what are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers officially announcing that he wants to go to the Jets? It seems like the deal will happen. The compensation is what's being uh, negotiated. And frankly, it could be the Packers trying to get out of some of that contract as well, too, uh, which we'll have to find. I, I would assume this, this plays out far longer than any of us want. It might have already been playing out far longer than any of us wanted. I'm raising my hand for the uh, audience that's watching TV right now. Uh, yeah. Where are you with Aaron Rodgers to the Jets? And of course, getting Alan Lazard, which was a move that occurred yesterday for four years, 44 million. Well, I have to say, I can all but guarantee the Jets had no interest in Alan Lazard other than Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' list of demands. And it would be really allegedly. Fun. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> it would be very funny if Lazard already signs and then Cobb goes there and Mercedes Lewis and then Aaron Rodgers goes, I'm retiring. Now that would be funny. <laughs> he's, he's just set up his friends to get good deals, just like he did with Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk. I, I appreciate it. Good guy Aaron Rodgers is uh, uh, what everyone is talk, talking about today for sure. I, I think it's a, I mean, it's a good move for the Jets. Uh, the AFC East, kind of kind of really competitive. I, I was looking at that in, in I, I think, pretty less of Mac Jones, uh, but the Patriots who signed Juju Smith-Schuster maybe half an hour ago, we'll talk about that move as well. I mean, that that was a, a needed move after Jacoby Myers left for the Raiders in free agency. That defense is really good. They have Bill Belichick. The, the Bills are, are going to likely be not as good as they were last year, but still a really relevant team led by a really good quarterback, a good coaching staff too. Uh, no idea what they could do with their draft picks. You know, there's a lot of free agent running backs around, which we've discussed on past podcasts. You can add to that uh, room, depending on, you know, moves they want to do. Uh, the, the Jets came back with Rodgers, but the Dolphins, I thought, have been one of the biggest winners of free agency. Stop me if you've heard that before, though. But the Dolphins, I think this one actually holds true, provide two is healthy. So that, I mean, the AFC East is going to be competitive. Dare I say, I think the AFC East is what most people thought the AFC West was going to be last year before the Broncos implosion, the Raiders kind of fell off too. Um, do you have the same amount of optimism for the AFC East that I do? Well, I had the optimism for the AFC West last year, and I saw where that got me, right. so I wasn't really excited about that. But yes, right now, the needle is clearly moving up. The Jalen Ramsey addition is insane for Miami because they do have some pass rushing ability. They were a team that was very good against the run. They were terrible against the pass, even with a good pass rush. Ramsey changes the entire equation because as much as his – coverage didn't look great down the stretch I think he was disinterested hmm. I think that he is still an elite cover corner I, when the Rams basically fell out of contention the whole mindset had to change so I have no qualms at Ramsey and Ramsey I, and now this doesn't matter as much but he's a great run defender as well fun enough funny enough but obviously shut down corner and so now what Miami could do is they can shade coverage on the other side if they have issues at cornerback still. Xavier Howard isn't what he once was. Mm -hmm. But, yes, the Miami office, we don't know what the quarterback position is going to be like. We don't know if Tua is going to be able to play for an extended period. Again, we always say his health and personal life is paramount here. 
But if they have a quarterback issues, that certainly gums it up. But right now, they clearly are in place to be a phenomenal team. And the Jets, of course, that defense will be a year better given another training camp with Robert Sala. And the fact that they have great cornerback play themselves they do have an emerging pass rush they have the two critical components their run defense was a little up and down but right now if they do bring Aaron Rodgers in there it's not to be a gunslinger it's to be somebody that can help them win 24 to 10 20 to 13 Mm -hmm. that's what they're looking to do and they do have the pieces in place to be able to do that because I don't believe Aaron Rodgers is anywhere close to the quarterback he was recently two years ago Back-to-back MVPs. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's losing a bit going into age 39. But this is a team that they don't need a whole lot. And we've said it in other shows. Garrett Wilson's there. I do believe Elijah Moore has the ability to become an excellent player. Alan Lazard is going to help. And so then as we go through this division, we clearly have the Bills still there. The only team that really isn't going to probably be much of a factor is the Patriots. Yeah, you um, you mentioned the Dolphins and the quarterback situation earlier. Probably a good segue into what I thought was the theme of the first two days of the legal tampering period. Definitely not the start of free agency because we love this podcast and want to promote it. And this is the most important day, not Monday. Um, was that Mike White? You know, signed with the Dolphins as a high end backup, two years, sixteen million dollars. That that likely can be massaged to some extent. Maybe those are incentives. That's the high end of the contract. We, we don't know these details until um, further in the off season, and, and frankly, it's not relevant. That they signed Mike White, I think, is a good deal for the Dolphins. Um, $8 million is kind of a higher price tag. And I'll be very curious because, again, we just announced Jacoby Brissett signing with the Commanders. Uh, you had Andy Dalton join the Panthers yesterday, two years, $11 million, likely to either be your veteran backup or possibly starter for what the Panthers do with that number one overall pick if they keep the number one overall pick. You have Baker Mayfield yesterday joining the Buccaneers uh, to compete with Kyle Trask for the starting quarterback spot. And then um, Taylor Heineke, which I talked a little bit earlier with the Falcons, signing as a backup to possibly you know help out Desmond Ritter or compete. There's Case Keenum with the Texans. Um, Sam Darnold is going to be the, the Niners' 15th quarterback. There's Jared Stidham uh, joining the Broncos. Some people are surprised by that, given the two, uh, two or three starts towards the end of the season with the Raiders that he might have made a bit more of a deal. Given what Geno Smith did last year and, and joined um, as a, kind of a vagabond quarterback that not many people are anticipating would do well, and I know the competition was Drew Locke, so it's a different scenario. Is there one of these veteran quarterbacks that you like his situation a bit more and say, oh, yeah, I mean, like if he starts, because they're, they're, every one of these is a big if, if he starts, he might have low-end fantasy value. Well, you have to take a quick look at Baker Mayfield, and there have been a lot of polarizing positions on him. All right, he is not a franchise quarterback. That is very easily understood. But he potentially goes into a system where he has Mike Evans and he has Chris Godwin. And when you have a couple of receivers of that caliber, the offensive line, yeah, they're going to lose their their left tackles gone, um, Donovan Smith, and that is going to hurt them. But otherwise, they had injuries last year. And they should have a good enough line. It should be better than last year due to Mm -hmm. health factors. And Baker Mayfield, if you could get him some semblance of a play action game, and I don't know how that necessarily works, but Chris Godwin in the short area of the field, a year removed from that ACL injury, he compiled numbers last year 
but he was not the same explosive player he was two years ago. I do believe that he gets much closer to that level this year. And when Baker Mayfield's in trouble, we've seen it. He wants to get rid of that ball quickly. There are a few better than Chris Godwin to allow that type of safety valve with the ability for yardage after the catch. And Baker Mayfield can get the ball downfield. So this actually does potentially work well for Mike Evans, who still, Mm -hmm. although he may have lost a little bit, he still can win downfield. And Tom Brady was struggling to get the ball there last year. So I do think Mayfield could have low-end fantasy value. And the Buccaneers' defense, and they did bring Jamel Dean back, but I still think this defense is not going to be great. And I think they're going to be giving up enough points where they're going to have to score and chase. So I think that does give Mayfield some QB2 value. Yeah, and the Buccaneers brought back Levante David, middle linebacker for them, a little bit a veteran as a, a shorter contract. But we had done the NFC South um, podcast in part halfway um, last week and, and broke down some of these teams. And, and you know, I was saying I, I don't know if Chris Godwin's going to be there for the Buccaneers uh, entering this offseason. They made a lot of different moves, restructuring contracts to kind of bring back the band. I, you mentioned yes. Donovan Smith leaving, fine, but um, I, I think the Buccaneers took a, a look at the NFC South and said, well, you know what. Not a lot of these teams are great, and I think the Saints have been most aggressive, but you don't know exactly what Derek Carr can do for a winning team. I think that he'll be fine, but you know others would disagree, and that's that's where Derek Carr is uh, at this point of his career. They, they said, okay, yeah, if we, we get competent quarterback play from either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield, we could probably compete for a playoff spot. This is far and away from the Super Bowl competition, which is what they had uh, when Tom Brady was your quarterback. But that's what happens. I mean, you have to make adjustments, especially when Brady's dead cap hit is currently on your roster too. So I, I, I like that one. I like the Andy Dalton signing with the Panthers. I know everyone's going to be like, oh, they have no weapons, no DJ Moore. And, and yes, that's true. And frankly, uh, when the Panthers were winning last year, it was largely because they just said, what if we ran the ball 67 times and only threw it twice? Uh, and it, you know, that works when you have Deonta Foreman and you have an offensive line, which they've continued to build around. They re-signed Bradley, uh, Bradley Bozeman to a pretty friendly deal. I thought as a standout center this past season, I, I think Andy Dalton was fine enough for the saints last year and shy Smith and Terrace Marshall, uh, possibly Adam Thielen, who's been sniffing around the Panthers. And, uh, they had, a, they had a, uh, I guess I didn't even mean to do an animal pun, but yes, uh, sniffing around with the Panthers and they have, uh, at least met with Thielen they didn't come to agreement today, but it sounds like that's the most optimistic landing spot for Thielen at this point, who was released by the Vikings uh, earlier this week. You know, that, that's not that's not horrible. I, again, low-end quarterback in the same vein that you were thinking Jared Goff or Geno Smith last year. Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield and Andy Dalton kind of fit that uh, quite a bit. It's only been five minutes, uh, Jim, or, or thereabouts. We haven't had any uh, major news. So I do want to talk about a move that happened earlier today. That was Juju Smith-Schuster signing a three-year, $33 million contract with the New England Patriots. Of course, the Patriots uh, lost Jacoby Myers to the Raiders earlier in the legal tampering period. Uh, the Raiders, of course, then trade away Darren Waller. We'll talk about that move a little bit later on. I, I felt like this whole lateral move a situation, right? Smith Schuster taking over likely slot spots that Jacoby Myers had. I think it's interesting that the Patriots had pigeonholed essentially $11 million. I think it's interesting that the wide receiver free agent market seems to be just $11 million because that was Alan Lazard's number two. And it goes back to what we started uh, talking about two or three weeks ago when we kicked off this podcast saying there's a lot of teams with not a lot of money. And while there might be some good players or possibly great players, 
when you don't have a lot of money and a lot of teams don't, you're going to have depreciated prices. So to get, I think Smith Schuster, a very capable veteran, knows what he's doing, brings a good attitude to the team, no matter what people want to knock on his TikTok status, a good attitude to the team. I think that's a winning move. I think that's a good move by the Patriots. But what's his fantasy value? I think that's kind of what I'm curious your thoughts are, Jim. Well, we have to look at the fact that he played with Patrick Mahomes and he missed a couple games but he only went for 933 yards. And if you can only do that with Patrick Mahomes, and believe me, if Juju Smith-Schuster was still a star player in any capacity, Mahomes would have leveraged that. Mm. There wasn't much to be had there. He had a little run early with a couple hundred yard games, week six or seven or so, but he didn't reach 55 yards in any of his last six games, including the playoffs. And he didn't hit 55 yards in 12 of 20 games. And again, he did miss a couple. So that's maybe they played 18 games because they played through the playoffs. Uh, But it just was not a great season for him. And there was no reason health related. And he had a career high 9.2 yard per target. I should say his rookie year. Um, rookie year he had more. He's more of a deep threat as a rookie. But that was his highest yards per target since then. And so, and he did play 47% of the slot with Mahomes. So you're looking at maybe he is Jacoby Myers right now. And and that's not a bad thing, but it's not a player that's going to elevate your fantasy team. And if the Patriots, if Tyquan Thornton steps up, if they decide Bill O'Brien's the offensive coach now, if they decide to use Hunter Henry a little more as they should, he's always been an excellent receiver, but they really underutilized him last year. You just wonder how many targets are going to be there because this team, they do want to run the ball. They do want to see if they can win with defense, which I don't know if they'll be able to do. So for Smith-Schuster, I would see him right now on that cusp of top 30 to 40 wide receiver in a PPR league. But if you go to half PPR, I probably got him outside the top 40 receivers because I just don't see him having big playability. Yeah, I think that's that's entirely reasonable. Um, obviously, Mahomes is Smith-Schuster's best quarterback he's played with. Who's the worst, Mac Jones or last year, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't actually have a throwing arm. It just kind of looks like noodles in there. If you did an x-ray machine, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, which, which one of the QBs is worse to play with? You know, I think the jury's still out on Mac Jones. Mac Jones should get an entire pass for last year. That was not an NFL coaching staff he had on the offensive side of the ball. Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, really? (laughs) That was the route you were going to go? Mac Jones showed some signs as a rookie of being a capable NFL quarterback. It was one of those guys who you thought could have springboarded forward in year two. And... They just sabotaged him. So we have to go into the bit of a blank slate. I think that Mac Jones is an upgrade over late season Ben Roethlisberger, and here's why. He couldn't throw really effectively outside of 10 yards, and defenses knew that. So defenses compressed the field against Ben Roethlisberger, and he was getting the ball incredibly quick. But the problem was defenses were already smashed in, so there was no room to operate. Ben was not doing any of his receivers any favors that last year mac jones has more physical ability right now and it's not close to late career ben so i do think the rate the rated edge goes to mac jones okay yeah i I would i would agree with you too as much as i uh like dunking on roethlisberger i think there's just a point in his career where he couldn't do quarterback throwing things you know he could do the the mental things and uh, the leadership things but actually being a quarterback on the field was a limitation that mac jones should not have and and 
He was weighed down by an albatross that is named Joe Judge and Matt Patricia last year. <laughs> no matter what I think of as a talent, which is uh, average to below average in the league, I mean, that's that when you have those coordinators or lack thereof uh, calling plays, that's it's tough. Any anything's gonna be tough with that. So, um, Smith Schuster with the Patriots. I, I like Taekwon Thornton. I, I, we talked about that a little bit too when we we're doing the AFC East last week. Um, I, I think that is a that is an interesting receiving core that could get better if they trade for Hopkins or something like that. That's been rumored quite a bit, yes. um, but certainly something to consider. So there's the other side of this that Jacoby Myers does join the Raiders. Uh, Devonta Adams there, Hunter Renfro there, and I, I I say that with a very puzzled look because I am confused as to why he's there. But it's fine. Darren Waller not there. Uh, Darren Waller was traded to the Giants for a third round pick. And it felt like it was a, we did this move, so we're going to do this move. And not that they had just planned to trade Darren Waller anyway, which would have somehow made me uh, feel better about the acquisition. I think if the Raiders were assuming Jacoby Myers is going to take all of the Darren Waller workload and they're still going to have Hunter Renfro operate at a capacity that warrants $14 plus million per year, whatever his extension was uh, last offseason, I'm concerned about that. Even if it is Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball, who doesn't feel like a significantly better deal than Derek Carr was. And I know how Derek Carr played and how the turnovers, yada, yada. Are you more optimistic about the Raiders offense and their fantasy offseason choices than I am? I am very frustrated with the Raiders are doing here. I get it. Jimmy Garoppolo was a cheaper alternative to Derek Carr and they went that route. And for that reason, that makes sense. And I understand that Josh McDaniels ran a lot of horizontal offenses in his day in New England. And, but Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy you want for that. He is not that pinpoint accurate Tom Brady. And I'm not comparing him to Brady, okay? Just the inside quick precision. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo. He throws better over the middle of the field than anywhere else, but he is not an accurate quarterback. And remember, he, when he was at his best, it was in that Shanahan offense where there was play action, there was a run threat, there were schemed open players. It was a system that we've seen far lesser quarterbacks do well in, and Jimmy Garoppolo very well was to take advantage of that good situation. But now they're putting him on a team where Devontae, of course he can get downfield, but you wouldn't classify him as a deep threat. Right. And Waller was a seam stretcher. He was potentially a guy that could stretch the defense, but we're not getting that out of Hunter Renfro if he sticks there. We're not getting it out of Myers. Typically you're not using Adams. Again, he can get down there. He catches long passes, but he's not the guy that the defense wants to you know, play everybody way back. So there, again, we use that term compressing the field and defenses against the Raiders are going to be at that tactical advantage of not worrying about Jimmy G beating up deep. God bless him if he does, but that's going to also allow them to have more bodies in the front area to slow down Josh Jacobs. So I think this is a very poor use of assets that the Raiders now have aside from Devontae Adams in terms of giving them flexibility on offense. Yeah. I don't know if you watched the Pat McAfee broadcast when they were talking with Aaron Rodgers and asked him, were there other teams interested in Aaron? He mentioned multiple. Uh, and then of course alluded to the Raiders, which at one point was a minus 400 odds favorite to land Aaron Rodgers when that sweepstakes occurred. And we kind of pivoted real quick back to the Jets. Um, he had, he, without mentioning the Raiders, because he contractually cannot, that he alluded to one special receiver that I had a really good connection with who has my number. And of course, we're all talking about Devontae Adams. 
given the moves that the Raiders have made this this offseason, it wouldn't be surprising to me if Devontae Adams was gone next year. Not that Darren Waller being traded should indicate anything, but I, I, either the Raiders have zero grasp of where they actually are, especially in the AFC, but just overall as a, a talent and a, and a fit and understanding what they want to do, or they're just like way too um, overzealous in being safe, being cheap, making uh, fair choices. I wouldn't even call them right choice, but fair choices. And and that's not going to be a spot where Devonta Adams, who's looking at a Hall of Fame career, possibly if he continues on uh, this same trajectory over the past three or four years, would want to be. And I think you know a, a reunion, a reunion, a reuniting with Aaron Rodgers um, in New York next year kind of feels almost imminent in, in, a, in a weird way. And I thought the the move to sign Jacoby Myers and trade away Darren Waller kind of uh, illustrated that. The Darren Waller trade itself, too. Uh, can, can we talk about that a little bit more? Because now we're adding weapons to Mr. $40 million a year, Daniel Jones. And I don't know if it's exactly the right weapons. Uh, he made Daniel Bellinger look pretty darn good from a fantasy perspective as a low-end tight end, especially if you're playing the, the Scott Fishbowl Leagues, whatever else, where you, you need 13 tight ends that aren't very good. Um, I, I think Darren Waller is still a really good talent and whether he was injured last year or saying he was injured, I would be very surprised if those same issues occur in New York in a franchise that wants him. They give up a third round pick for him. Waller did get paid by the Raiders this past year too. So that shouldn't be an issue. Like I think Darren Waller, provided he stays healthy, is easily a top five fantasy quarterback or I'm sorry, tight end this year. You know, Darren Waller is in his age 31 season, and we talk about it frequently. There are very few players in their 30s who continue to play well. And yes, Travis Kelsey is an exception to the rule, but there are not a lot of these players. And Darren Waller, you know, is a late bloomer. He had some off the field issues early in his career that kept him from playing. And But he was on the field for every game in 2019 and 2020. He missed six games in 2021. Eight last year, and you talk about was he really hurt? Hard to answer that, but that's 14 missed games right around 30 years old. And that is one of the points that we see that lead players to move out of the league. They don't recover from injury as well. Um, they are more prone to these nagging injuries, sometimes soft tissue injuries and the like. And so these are things that derail a player's career. I would imagine that Waller, you know, again, when he's on the field, will still have enough juice to be a productive player. What I'm worried about for the Giants is that the smoke and mirrors were beginning to run out at certain points. Now, they got lucky and played the Vikings twice down the stretch late season in the playoffs. But that was a smoke and mirrors offense. And Brian Dable did a masterful job getting everything he could out of what he had. But now the book is out on him. Brian Dable is not going to have many more tricks up his sleeve because basically he leveraged the mobility of Daniel Jones to make that offense more than what it was. Defenses now are going to come in and say, okay, we kind of figure that out. Mm. And I don't know there's going to be a backup plan here. Now, Waller, again, seam stretcher. And that will be integrated heavily into the weekly game plans. And you could easily say he is their number one. <laughs> now, as a tight end, that's funny, but but he certainly is their number one right now, even if Wandale Robinson's back. And so he should have plenty of opportunity. We're not going to see him as a blocking tight end. My guess is a right. slot receiver. They may even line him up 
uh, as an X receiver at times. And I don't know how much he wins there at age 31. But yes, there's the ability. But in fantasy leagues, I am very skeptical as to how strong Waller will be. I thought his best opportunity was playing with Devontae Adams in Las Vegas because Waller would not be the focal point of defenses. And again, every year he ages, defense have a better chance of taking him away. So I would put him right in that tight end six to nine range, anywhere in there because it kind of falls off after the top five as it is. But I would take Dallas Goddard over him because Mm. even though Goddard's missed time, I still think it's less likely that he misses time than Waller at this stage. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, specifically, Darren Waller is like a, a slot receiver, not much of a blocker. Um, the Giants re-signed Sterling Shepard. They have Wandale Robinson. Um, Isaiah Hodgins, you know, d- during his emergence to the latter half of the season, was playing in the slot often as well, too. I mean, th- that's a lot of slot targets in the same vein as the Raiders had. When, when you signed Jacoby Myers, you still have Hunter Runfro under contract. Theoretically, uh, you had Darren Waller. That was the, you know, the whole reason you'd assume they'd trade away Darren Waller because they wanted to give more slot room two other targets. I think the Giants might run into the same problem. It's those outside receivers, the X receiver, stuff like that, that you're you're hoping that they add on to or make a move for from the Giants' perspective. And and Darren Waller's big enough that he could play in the outside. I mean, it's entirely possible. But to your point with the H part, there becomes limitations with that. Namely, you'd think speed. No matter no matter if you haven't taken as many hits in the NFL, that's that's still a bit of an issue. So um interesting. If if you had the opportunity to take Darren Waller in the seventh round, you don't have a tight end yet from your fantasy perspective do you take that you've done more best balls than i have thus far seventh round for darren waller in his new landing spot that might not even be a far too down on the list given the hype that's occurred with this trade i'm just curious would you would you make that call if if i would say no i will say no okay you'd have to get to the eighth or the ninth round at this point when he was with las vegas I did have a share of him right in that range that you're talking about. I was very comfortable at that point. Um, And, you know, when you mentioned Hodges, you know, Hodges only played 26% slot last year. Oh yeah. Okay. Good point. It was Richie James who was 74% in the slot who did quite a bit of that. So Hodges is 6-3-201. So ideally, if they, you know, obviously he's going to be around, and if they need him, he would be outside. Now, Wandale Robbins is a smaller guy, but I do think he could play either outside or inside. But, but to, so to answer, you know, those points there, um, Waller should be able to be the dominant player inside. And remember, it, with the zone-heavy defenses we see in today's league, winning in the middle of the field is paramount. And often there are formations where you will actually have two players in the slot based on where they're lining up because outside boundary corners will often kind of in the zone, they have to man their spot. They can't just move into the middle of the field and leave the outside because we know wheel routes and other types of rub routes could put somebody in that position. So a zone defense mandates that those players stay in that position. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I'm glad you, you corrected me on Hodgins. I, I don't know why I assumed he was more of a slot guy, but uh, Richard James. Yeah. And, and, Richie James did fine. I think Sterling Shepard and Wandale Robinson are pretty good players, uh, better than Richie James and would benefit if they were in the slot too. So uh, definitely, definitely something to keep in mind from the Giants perspective. I'm glad that we've identified at least a round range, even with Darren Waller going to the, the Giants, you'd think better opportunities where you wouldn't want to go or you would want to go. So we do have, I, I, I dare I say breaking news, but it's more of a breaking news rumor 
Uh, I want to get to that. And I also want to get to what I think my favorite free agent signings are. I'll, I'll be curious to your thoughts too, Jim, uh, after we get our you know operatory uh, commercial read here. But let's get a word from our sponsors. Underdog, the 2022 season is officially over, but the fantasy football season never stops. And Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft an Underdog to the big board tournament with $1 million in total prizes and 200000 given to first place. Think you know which incoming rookies will burst onto the scene? Well, if so, now is your chance to draft them a value. All you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best balls, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. Whoever has the highest score at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled up to $100, but you'll also get hooked up with a six-month free subscription to everything RotoWire has to offer. Again, yeah, free, RWNFL. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWNFL. I mean, we, we talked about it on past podcasts, Jim. That's March Madness right now, too. If you are getting set for your lineups, I love that you're listening to our podcast and, and getting ready on free agency. But you have the March Madness stuff to worry about. You also have baseball as well, too, right, Jim? Oh, like I'll always say this. Our baseball crew at Rotowire is unparalleled, and there are all kinds of services out there, but nobody has the team of experts that Rotowire has. And so if you want to dominate that baseball league, you definitely want a piece of the Rotowire action. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mentioned March Madness. We already have, uh, I think, uh, profiles for both all 68 men's teams and women's teams yes. uh, for March Madness, getting you set for that. We have a lot of brackets. I think we have one up currently for a $250 prize via a subscription to RotoWire, uh, already live on Twitter. We got some internal ones as well, too. I know Jim, you and I are going to be battling that out. Uh, and I will be uh, ruining the day as to when my 14th seed gets knocked out. Uh, next Wednesday, but you can you can listen to that and my whining uh, at that point forward. So again, RWNFL, Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWNFL. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I did mention a bit of breaking news. Again, breaking news rumor, I should say. We've seen this before. Benjamin Albright, uh, a pretty tuned-in reporter for the Broncos, 
mention that they are looking to trade mentions. I should say that the Broncos are looking to trade Jerry Judy. Of course, his contract, I think is up not next year, but he's certainly due uh, an extension on his fifth, on his, on his rookie deal. He's got five years because of that, but he's, he's due the extension at some point. The Broncos are looking to trade him and the Browns appear to be the top candidate at the moment. We've heard reports about Cortland Sutton, even last week that the Broncos could trade him, but no, it feels like in fact, Jerry Judy could be on the move and his relatively cheap deal right now. So something to keep in mind. I don't know. Have you been invested in either of the Broncos receivers thus far, Jim? So right now, given the workings and happenings of this week, this is important. The Broncos are going to be a heavy run team this year. And it makes sense that they want to get rid of a seat receiver. Think about it. They bring in tackle Mike McGlinchey. They bring in guard Ben Powers. Mike McGlinchey is a much better run blocker than he is a True. pass protector. Mm-hmm. And obviously Ben Powers is the same. He's a grinder. Um, he is a very good and his ability to, you know, to make things happen you know, in the run game. Um, his grades have been fairly average, but I do think given the situation where he's moving over, he is going to be just fine in Denver. And we know that Sean Payton, when he has a smaller quarterback like Drew Brees back in the day, he likes getting that internal lineman to protect that pocket. So I do think the moves are making. We are going to see a lot of two tight end sets. We're going to see a lot of running the ball. It's not going to be let Russ cook. This is Sean Payton's show. Last year it was supposed to be Russell Wilson's show. Not the case anymore. The alpha in that room is Sean Payton. And you know, Russ will take his shots on occasion off play action, but they're not going to need receivers. And Tim Patrick should be back, and they love Tim Patrick. And he is a very good outside receiver. But I think they're better off going with outside receivers, Cortland Sutton, and going with Tim Patrick for those play action shots. But realistically, Russ has never been good in the middle of the field, and I think that Judy is the guy that's going to go. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, if you're thinking compensation from the from the Browns, they have all that money, of course, tied up to Deshaun Watson. Um, you have Amari Cooper, whose $20 million price tag was too much for the Cowboys, hence why he was traded there last year. Uh, I feel like the Sean Payton Saints have always had a burner receiver. I wonder if Anthony Schwartz, uh, third-round pick from two years ago, might be included in that package if Jerry Judy would be moved to, to the Browns. I, I think that would be a very good move from the perspective, really bulk up on that Deshaun Watson um, choice. And, and, and get the best receivers possible for him. As you move away from that run-oriented offense, I don't think they would acquire Nick Chubb. I know Nick Chubb has been rumored to be traded by the Browns too. I, I don't know if you necessarily make that deal, but uh, it really is interesting in juxtaposition with Austin Eckler possibly being rumored to be traded. We'll talk about that as well too later in the show from the Chargers' perspective. Something to keep an eye on for those Broncos receivers. We did have some breaking news. Miles Gaskin re-signed with the Dolphins. That now makes three Different Dolphins running backs having re-signed this offseason. Of course, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert being the other two, obviously more prominent ones. Mostert received a two-year, $5.6 million deal uh, earlier today. Same goes for Jeff Wilson at two years, $8.2 million. I know that uh, there were some reports saying Jeff Wilson uh, would have more incentive reason, like the, the, the money would get to 8.2 because of incentives. But I think it actually is really telling that Jeff Wilson is the higher valued running back for the Dolphins, even though Raheem Mostert for a while was um, easily an RB2 in fantasy last year until, of course, he got hurt. Uh, what, what's your thoughts with how that backfield's kind of shaped for the Dolphins? So Raheem Mostert's at his age 31 season and this is a guy who's coming off a career high in carries and it was always 
nerve wracking for me to see them using him as heavily as he was. And he was returning kicks. He was targeted 42 times. I mean, he was being used a lot. And as the season went on, his effectiveness, he had that one good game late, but overall week to week, you could see that he was, it was taking a bit of a toll on him. The consistency from run to run wasn't there. So I think they, a, both he and Wilson know that system from both of their days mm-hmm. in San Francisco at different different times. But Mostert is a very valuable piece to that team. But they really want to spot his carries. Now, Jeff Wilson has his own laundry list of injuries throughout his career. But again, you know, six foot two thirteen, um, big enough to get a good number of carries. He had some bad injury luck. And like I said, he's been injured throughout his career when he, once he went to Miami, because he did start out there hot, but they are going to have to go with a committee approach because the durability of these backs is definitely in question, but they want these running backs that know that system. I'm sure that's huge for Mike McDaniels. So are you drafting any of them? That would be my question now from a best ball perspective. I have to imagine both are relatively cheap. Uh, yes, Mostert fell to the 13th round mm. of a 12-team best ball I was in a couple weeks ago, and I needed running back depth. And Mostert, at that point, there weren't many options on the board. And so I was happy to take Mostert. If he gets me a few games, a couple of big runs here and there, he'll pan out there. But he was certainly was going where they're running back four or five range, probably closer to the running back five range. And so there's not a lot of confidence in the market on a 31 year old running back coming off career high usage for a guy that's never really handled it well before. Yeah. And, and there was also rumors at that point that Delvin cook could, could be traded to the dolphins. That seems to have been put to re- uh, rest or bed both, I guess. Uh, Delvin cook also had a, a comment or I guess Instagram post yesterday kind of uh, saying he's back to some extent. So I, I don't think Delvin Cook does get traded. And I, I do think that is that is the running back core that will start uh, and be fantasy relevant in August. I would be stunned if the Dolphins don't draft somebody uh, with one of their few remaining picks that they have. I think that's kind of um, part of why they've bulked up in so many areas this offseason, both at linebacker, of course, they traded for Jalen Ramsey too. It's so that you can do a little bit of a luxury offensive pick. Uh, and I, I would be stunned if they don't draft at least some high end uh, running back early day three or kind of a day two spot. So I did want to talk about one of my favorite moves, and it was at running back. And I'm curious, Jim, if you, you thought the same thing. Rashad Penny signing a one year, $2 million deal with the Eagles. Miles Sanders uh, has already said his goodbyes. It looks like he's not returning to Philadelphia. Boston Scott did resign with the Eagles on a similar price deal. But if you were to say, oh, gee, Joe, which running back is going to be better fantasy wise? Uh, it would be Rashad Penny 11 times out of 10. Of course, the issue is will Rashad Penny be healthy though? So if Penny is healthy, that is going to be one of the steals of this offseason. It's just the, will he actually be healthy? Yeah, I mean, listen to this. He missed 12 games last year, 7 in 2021, 13 in 2020, 6 in 2019. He's played in 42 of 82 possible games. That's not great. No, it's not great. And he is a beast. He is one of the most physically talented players in the NFL. He's never had more than 119 carries in the season. Now, the last two years of limited work, 6.3 and 6.1 yards per carry. Disgustingly good. And he would go to this amazing run-blocking offensive line with a mobile quarterback who frees his linebackers. I mean... Penny had a 68th percentile broken tackle rate, 99th percentile yards after contact. So, yeah, amazing. But 
I mean, they either are going to have to limit him to five to seven carries a game to keep him healthy, or if they give him real run, history has shown that he's not going to hold up. And, I mean, you, you hate to just say it, but it's been four straight years. He's missed at least six games, and it's been bad. So I'm, we're, we're specifically in the best ball season. Of course, we're sponsored by Underdog, too. So I'm, I'm framing it under these pretenses for that reason. I, I don't know. Um, every pick, especially if you do the 18 rounds uh, standard sort of best ball drafts and underdog is valuable. If you were in those 20 round ones, I like to do the um, NFFC 30 round best balls. And you said, hey, uh, you can get, um, I mean, you, you could go ahead and get him in the 13th round or, or 14th round. I can't, I can't refuse that. Because even in two or three games that he plays, you might just get points out of those two or three games. That's how good Rashad Penny is in that offensive situation with that offensive line, with Jalen Hurts as a mobile option, which, by the way, defenses, unlike Daniel Jones, defenses should have been aware of what would happen with the Eagles. And yet Jalen Hurts was still fantastic as a read option guy. Uh, and the way they are handing off their ball carries, Miles Sanders had a career year in large part of this. Like, I, that, I mean, there shouldn't be a high price tag for all the reasons you mentioned, Jim, but I will gladly in a best ball format dive in. And I think even in a redraft, if you were to say, okay, uh, he's going to be like running back 40 or 30 in that range, and that will be somewhere in the 10th or 11th round, you can drop those guys and you might plan to drop those guys at times. I, I, I like him a lot. I mean, that's, that's a running back four on a uh, redraft squad that I'll be ecstatic about, much like uh, Jeff Wilson or Raheem Mostert too. I think I think kind of the same vein, but one of them has way more potential if he stays healthy. In best ball, you're going to need to have at least six running backs on your roster if you want to carry Penny, because you have to have running backs. And in the best ball format, you know guys get hurt all the time, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of times we go and we have a light running back group. We end up with four or five, and we take a, a risk there but Penny is already a built in risk. So I do think it's where you're saying this, like him absolutely, but you have to make sure that you have an, an extra running back than you may normally plan for because you're take, you're really understanding you are expecting significant missed time. Uh, that's, that's fair. Uh, in other news today, we had Ezekiel Elliott officially cut by the Cowboys. He's designated as a June 1st uh, release, which should save 10 million on the cap for the Cowboys this year. Uh, we'll of course carry over a little bit last er, to next year as well too. But that was, that was interesting because we had a week where it was like, no, 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 I promise we're going to franchise tag Tony Pollard and also bring back uh, Ezekiel Elliott, despite him having one of the highest cap ones. I, I promise that that's definitely going to happen. And of course um, everyone kind of laughed at that and said, no way. And then they had to release uh, Ezekiel Elliott on good terms. One of the fan favorites of the Cowboys will enter a free agent market. That is just dirt, uh, just as a massive amount of, pretty solid, okay, veteran running backs. Zeke has a lot of miles uh, on his tires at this point too. I would not be surprised at all if he remains unsigned entering training camp. Like I, I think it's going to be one of those situations where there are so many other backs that will likely go cheaper that you don't see Zeke on a roster until much later into the year, if at all. I, am I am I wrong in assuming that kind of uh, prospect for Zeke Elliott? There is a very good chance that happens. But remember, players like Mark Ingram, Kenyon Drake, Latavius Murray, these kind of guys get rostered and they get run. Yep. If those guys could get run now, if Zeke Elliott is looking for real money, that's not happening. But t- think about this one. If somehow the Chargers figure it out with Austin Eckler and they keep him, why not bring in Ezekiel Elliott 
to spell him for 10 carries a game. Yeah. And there's the, um, there's the relationship with the offensive coordinator from the Cowboys as well, too. That's the whole reason why Dalton Schultz is being rumored. Yeah. Kellen Moore. That's why Dalton Schultz is being rumored to go to the chargers as well, too. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Um, you know, I mean, what what is your thoughts on Austin Eckler? I mean, we could talk about that as well, too, because that was really the the surprise-breaking news of Monday um, to start illegal tampering is that, oh, yeah, actually, Austin Eckler's gone. Uh, he wants out completely. And despite trying to come back to the negotiating table Tuesday, they weren't able to come to any sort of conclusion. And it seems thus far that the Chargers must trade Austin Eckler. He's going to hold out or something like that. Do you, do you, A, feel like Austin Eckler will be on a different team next year? And if he is... What team do you think would make sense? It's a difficult situation. And I just want to talk about how I frame the background. The Chargers are in a tough situation here. They've overworked Eckler two years in a row. Eckler said he needed help, and they didn't get him help. And not only did they not get him help, but they increased his touches. 276 touches two years ago. 311 last year they are wearing out their franchise back and he will be 28 this season and look a lot of backs are done at 30 he's not real far from that and if he wants an extension or a new contract well they're going to look further than that a this team doesn't have a lot of money b are you we know the history of paying aging running backs and I don't know if they're going to be able to figure this out. Now, the problem for Eckler is going to be who is going to pay him. As fantasy players, we know what he brings us to the table, this high-end fantasy production. Teams around the league are going to see a heavily used 28-year-old back and question it greatly. He does not have the body style of what we would want in our feature back. The production's been there. He only had a 63rd percentile broken tackle rate. I mean – 67% 67% of yards after contact is a dynamic receiver, but you have to be in an offense that's going to leverage that. I'm very skeptical of what his market will be for the money he is going to want. And that happens frequently with running backs. That's where the problem is going to be. He's been given permission to seek out a trade. I think he's going to run into an issue when he's talking money with these teams. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason he's leaving the chargers too. I've, I've thought, it makes sense for the Chargers just to give him essentially a, a a raise for the next two years. So I think his contract is is either out next year or the year after. But let's just say instead of six and a half million, which I think is his current cap, it is let's go to ten million. So four million dollars more would put you in a, a pretty high range um, among running backs, among your peers, and would would be close to what his value not not all the way, but close to what his value has been to them. With the understanding that that's probably covering what will be a fall off at some point, maybe. I mean, Austin Eckler has defied expectations thus far in his career. Why not two more years? But that would be covering a bit more of a fall. With the understanding, again, that the Chargers have a, a, a playoff push uh, and a deep one in mind. And I don't think they accomplished that without Austin Eckler on that team. He's one of the more electric backs in the NFL. He has a specific role, even if there's no Joe Lombardi there now. Uh, and I think we'll continue to have. So I, I think he's already near the top in terms of red zone conversion rate in the entire uh, history of the NFL. I mean, like that's, that's the level in which we're talking with Austin Eckler, not just as a receiving threat, but what he can do uh, with the ability to score. And you wouldn't assume that given his small stature, but yeah, the workload has been insane. Uh, guys behind him. It's like Joshua Kelly. No, I, I, 
even if like Ezekiel Elliott were to join, that's an improvement over Josh McKelly. And it, maybe not even at this point in Zeke's career. They drafted Isaiah Spiller last year. He was a complete bust. We don't know if that's the coaching staff um, or if that's Spiller himself. And I should say a bust, like a, an early day th- three pick can never be a bust. But they were hoping he would be something this year. Yes. He, he wasn't. Larry Roundtree was having to see uh, snaps and they had just outright cut him uh, earlier that year. I, I would be shocked if Austin Eckler is on a different team. But if he is on a different team, it is kind of interesting because you have the Bills who've been long rumored to have uh, an uh, an infatuation with the pass-catching running back. That's why they maybe went after Naheem Hines. They're really interested in Christian McCaffrey before he ended up going to the 49ers. Um, that would be right in that that bubble where you're saying, okay, I'm not going to pay Singletary. What if, I just, what if I just use Austin Eckler for two years and just used him and then, then we're done? I mean, that would help that team, even though they don't really use a pass catcher that well. I thought about this. If it wasn't in the same division, man, Austin Eckler with Sean Payton and the Broncos. Ooh. I mean, that that's that's <laughs> the real match made in heaven because you still have Javante Williams doing the ball carrier stuff whenever Javante Williams gets back. But I can't imagine the Chargers want to see an L given to them two times for the next two years when Austin Eckler plays them because he will. I mean, he is that good of a player. That was the that was the immediate thought is, whoa, what if he was with Sean Payton? Uh, but I don't, I don't foresee that ever occurring. Well, just remember this. Now, Sean Payton, we know that he used that screen game heavily, but Drew Brees was arguably the greatest screen pass quarterback I have ever seen in terms of ball placement, anticipation, looking off defenders. And so, yes, Payton stressed the screen game, but you always wonder, is that a function of Drew Brees? And now we have Russell Wilson, who has not been a good screen quarterback. Of course, every quarterback completes some screens, but there's no anticipation. There's no leading on us so that would be uh, he is not a good screen game quarterback so uh i get your point sean payton would maybe like to feature him there but i just don't know that russell wilson has that in his arsenal to weaponize eckler to the level he'd be able to but i get the fun thought yeah that's that's a really good point um along the same veins of the broncos I actually liked the the move that is going to go under report certainly today that Samaje P Ryan signed a two year seven point five million dollar deal with the Broncos. In the same point, like Javante Williams, we don't know his status. In fact, uh, reports as of late suggest Javante Williams will not be back to start the regular season. It seems a lot like that J.K. Dobbins deal entering this year. It's like, well, maybe uh, actually no. Okay, he's going to be out a month. Um, I, I mean, like it's entirely possible that that is what occurs. Uh, and you have Samaje P Ryan. As your starting running back for the Broncos, when P. Ryan played, he could do everything. You think about the games that he filled in for Joe Mixon over the past two years as the the predominant starter for the Bengals. He was a top 20 fantasy running back every single time. I think P. Ryan has the chops to do that in a limited capacity. Yeah, Pete Ryan has played well. Last year was the most usage he had since his 2017 rookie season. He had 95 carries and 51 targets. Now, his 4.1 yards per carry was his lowest in three years. We certainly had offensive line issues over there in Cincinnati, to say the least. Um, He did have a very impressive 81st percentile broken tackle rate. Yards after contact were a little bit less at 68. But yes, he is an effective back. And if the run scheme is working well. I, I think that for a period of time, I think he can be, you know, a lead back for them. I think they would love him to be the one B or even the number two yeah. to Javante Williams. But in the short term, yeah, P Ryan could get it done. He's already shown that. 
Yeah. What I'm learning is that I'm in love with all these crappy backs, Jim, and you're, you're kind of putting the, the uh, water to my fire, so to speak here, because yes, I, I need to be doused on a little bit. Shmashi P. Ryan, Rashad Penny. Yes, I can't wait. Okay. Just, just dial back, uh, there was actually relevant running back news and that came in the form of Dave Montgomery joining an NFC North rival in the Lions who signed him to a three-year $18 million deal yesterday. Uh, of course, that means Jamal Williams, bye-bye, no longer a Lions, certainly no longer a Packer too, much to my uh, demise my heart here. I, I think that David Montgomery signing is interesting in two folds. Of course, what Montgomery's role will be uh, if it is just literally the bruiser bell cow that that might be under uh, underhanding what Montgomery did for the bears as a pass catcher. Uh, but also it says, yeah, Deandre Swift, we, we still don't know much about you other than when you're healthy, you can kind of do some things for us. It amazes me that the lions, uh, despite what the NFL has done with running backs have said, no, we're actually going to roster uh, running backs and, and pay a premium whether $4 million for Jamal Williams should be a premium, it is at the running back position right now. We're going to pay a premium to continue to roster a high-end backup to you, DeAndre Swift, for now your entire career. I think sometimes we overestimate the scouting department of NFL teams. Mm-hmm. David Montgomery played twice a year against the Lions, who were one of the worst run defenses in the league year over year. David Montgomery thrashed them because they were the Lions. So they probably watched him play and think, wow, this is a really good running back when running backs are plowing them over every single week. Montgomery has not been good. He's been four yards per carry or less in three of the last four seasons. The Bears had, I believe, a top five run-blocking offensive line last year. Khalil Herbert had 5.7 yards per carry behind that same line. This is not a good running back. The beauty is, yes, just like in college, he can make people miss. He had an 84th percentile broken tackle rate, but he did nothing with it. He was only 50th percentile yards after contact. So he would get people to miss, but he wouldn't go anywhere after that. And that is where the problem lies. He only had two runs of 20 or more yards last year, which was a career low for him. Now, his carries weren't great. He didn't have more than 17 in any game. But this is when earlier in his career, he had a little more juice. He doesn't have that same juice in his age 26 season now. It's, believe it, young, but he is not quite the same guy. Now, you, I think, pointed this out. He's a good receiver, though. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. I don't know if the Lions realize that. I think the Lions think he's a good running back. And I think they're they're going to be mistaken. I think they're going to see this guy isn't close to what Jamal Williams was for them. And they, obviously, they don't want to use DeAndre Swift a lot. But when he did play, he was seeing ample targets. The targets were there. The carries weren't. They know how good Swift is as a receiver. And they're teammates are going to be angry if Swift is not on the field in a passing capacity and Montgomery's in over him. But worst case scenario is after two or three games, they realize it's just a completely different ball game. But I think they're going to be hurting on early downs because of bringing in Montgomery, who's just not good. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, guaranteed money is in that deal. That might be part of it, too. So you see three years, $18 million, when guys like Samaj P. Ryan go for uh, half that per year or even Rashad Penny less than that, you're like, Oh, that, that that's you're paying the premium to join Detroit, kind of like what Christian Kirk did last year with the Jaguars. Like, oh, no, $20 million a year for a receiver. 
oh, that's that's like half of Alan Lazard money or Juju Smith-Schuster money or Jacoby Myers money. And we have to understand that the market this year is different than it was last year. Less teams with the money open. So many more running backs out there as well, too, that I think if you were trying to improve the depth of your team and you sign people with the understanding that they will be the depth of your team, it's a little bit different than David Montgomery starting running back for the Bears for the past four years. Just, you know, that's I think the sell is a little bit different for a guy of his stature, no matter how effective or not effective, like you pointed out, he could be. I really agree with you, though, that if people are expecting Montgomery just to waltz into 18 touchdowns like Jamal Williams had this year and be uh, a, a relevant running back, too, for a lot of fantasy teams, passed around 14 or whatever. And I know Montgomery wouldn't go that far. But, that, I mean, that's that's the issue with this, is that I think people will be drafting Montgomery thinking, oh, this is the starting running back for the Lions. Yes, they have DeAndre Swift. They'll both do fine. Look, Jamal Williams had 18 touchdowns last year, and Montgomery's going to be a better catcher. A, he's not going to get any touchdowns. That's just historically not going to be accurate. And then also, they might not use him as a receiver. They didn't with Jamal Williams. That was more or less what DeAndre Swift did. So you're you're capping the value of Montgomery from a fantasy perspective in two different angles. I think he's going to be one of the easiest pass guys that's going to get ballooned up over these past week or so with free agency. And I would not be surprised to vote at all by like August or September. We're like, uh, you know, I, I like other running backs in rounds five or six. Uh, than David Montgomery, even though he theoretically on paper looks like he's in a good spot. You know, I want to just segue off of Montgomery to Khalil Herbert, who was yep. in Chicago now. He hadn't gotten any love in early drafts, but people kind of knew Montgomery was probably gone. And I don't know where his ADP ultimately goes, but there is a world where Khalil Herbert is a top 12 running back. I was going to say fourth I, round. Like spot call, one, one of my drafted Khalil Herbert – fourth round you know like that, that that was the elijah mitchell range last year uh, yeah i i think i think i will with justin fields an improved offense you theoretically the bears going to do more on the offensive line fourth round feels appropriate to me i bet you i because i had forgot that david montgomery is a free agent and i just kind of figured he's he's sort of a staple of chicago they'll, they'll bring him back with all the cap space yeah no i think Khalil Herbert in the fourth round that's where i would go easily provided they don't make any major moves like draft b john robinson or something you know, I'm in a current best ball right now. It's a slow draft to some industry people. And we're in the seventh round. And Herbert's wow. still on the board. He is still wow. on the board. And that's after the David Montgomery news. Now, funny enough, at the 6-7 turn, I had gone light on running back. I only had Aaron Jones in the fourth round. Thank you, thank you. I was so happy about that. But I in the seventh round, Deion, there wasn't much left. I took DeAndre Swift's PPR. And I do think in the passing game, he's still going to get his. But um, Khalil Herbert, man, that if I think back, I, I probably should have taken Herbert over Swift there. Yeah, I mean, Swift that he lasted the seventh round is actually surprising to me as well, too. Um, I would be shocked if if later on in the season we don't have Khalil Herbert higher. I, um, I am remiss to remember when Duke Johnson was traded to the Texans. That was entering the training camp or right around training camp two or three years ago. I was like, oh, for sure. Duke Johnson in the third or fourth round. I bought into the Rotowire hype. We had guys here uh, that might actually be agents for Duke Johnson, and we're pushing him to super extent, and he's going to be great. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. Uh, I was right about uh, Kareem Hunt when he took over for Spencer Ware for the Chiefs. It's the same exact thing. Love Duke Johnson, and that couldn't have been more of a colossal failure on my part, and it has made me uh, gun shy in every other running back since then of like that same ilk. Maybe I'm pulling a Khalil Herbert here. Uh, I'm sorry, Duke Johnson here with Khalil Herbert. But I, I really, I and mean, the talent's there. I mean, he, he was objectively a good running back, should be an even better offensive situation. I know, I, I still think the Bears are 
uh, the seller dwellers in the NFC North, although my Packers might push for it. Um, I, I think Khalil Herbert, I think Khalil Herbert's really good. And I would not be stunned at all if we're having this conversation in the same Elijah Mitchell range last year uh, with Khalil Herbert. Absolutely. And that's the thing I want people to take away from the show. If you're doing early drafts, try to get Khalil Herbert on your roster because it's going to be a real buying opportunity. Like Joe said, that ADP may acclimate over time. Mm-hmm. And in some leagues it may have already, but I don't think it has. And I think it's a great buying opportunity early. Yeah. I, I know that um, I had mentioned Benjamin Albright talking about the Jerry Judy being traded and he had made this report yesterday saying, Hey, I'll be looking at Tim Patrick um, if I was in dynasty leagues or something like that, because I, something might happen. And it was one of those like, Oh, he knows something's going to happen. So the fact that Jerry Judy is being uh, possibly reported to be traded, it seems like a foregone conclusion. If he's mentioning KJ Hamler in the same breath, I'm sorry, not KJ Hamler, uh, Tim Patrick, although you know, Hamler could be traded too with whatever the Broncos want to do. I think Khalil Herbert's kind of that guy as well. Like if you were to say, which one am I investing in more today, knowing the information we have, it is Khalil Herbert. Uh, and then maybe Tim Patrick later on uh, real quick. I wanted to circle to some tight ends before we push out uh, the end of the clock here as our uh, big free agent uh, breaking today. It's only been Jacoby Brissett and possibly Jerry Judy being traded. Uh, we had a few interesting signings at tight end earlier today. Hayden Hurst joined the Panthers in a three year $21.5 million deal. The half is very important, Jim, because Josh Oliver, a significantly worse tight end in just about every way, signed a three-year $21 million deal with the Vikings on the very first day of free agency, which I will go on record now is the worst free agent deal this offseason. Uh, very clearly feels desperate and dumb, uh, but good job, Vikings. I'm happy for you to make that move. So Hayden Hurst going to the Panthers at 21 and a half. Uh, I don't mind that. I mean, like, he already becomes one of their top receivers. I love Terrace Marshall. I love, I might be the only one still driving uh, the Terrace Marshall fan club bus, but I think Hayden Hurst is still their top target. And no matter what you think they're going to do with number one, uh, if it is Will Levis, if it is uh, Stroud or Young, and you say all those guys are rookie quarterbacks, not going to be great. What's the one cliche we say every single time? Oh, the rookie QB needs a big body to throw to. That's what we did with Kobe <laughs> Fleener and Andrew Luck. Like it's, it's the same thing. I like uh, Hayden Hurst way more value-wise than what we talked about with Darren Waller earlier from a fantasy perspective. Joe, it's possible he gets a lot of targets. And, of course, volume is king in fantasy football. Now, Hurst is entering his age 30 season, and I really felt that he was in a perfect scenario last year. You've got T. Higgins. You've got Jamar Chase. And defenses were often committing three to four defenders on both of them. Frequently, teams were telling Joe Burrow, we're giving you the middle of the field. We're not dealing with these two superstar receivers. And Hayden Hurst was reliable. His eight yards per reception, lowest of his career by a half a yard. 21st percentile yards after the catch. In this great explosive offense, and I know there's only so many football to go around, but 57 was his highest yardage total of the season. Playoffs, he had a 59. I think that he could be just a heavy catch guy. I just don't see any explosiveness left. And at age 30, that's not getting better. But like you said, where you're going to get him in drafts, if you're in a tight end premium league, if you need those receptions, then yes, I think Hayden Hurst could have a very high floor. Yeah, I I, I like him right now from a, from a depth piece, if you're saying tight end two, uh, if you wait on tight ends when you're when you're doing your best balls, I, I think the workload is going to be there. Um, and even if it's not efficient, it's not what you care about, right? Right. You, you, you want, when, when you're talking about tight ends specifically, you want a guy that's just going to get a bunch of catches. I mean, that's why uh, uh, Schultz 
was so valuable the way yes, he was two years yes. ago. He's just getting a lot of catches too. And, and I think for the, the depreciated price tag, which is going to come with, oh, the Panthers have no QB and uh, no offense whatsoever. I don't mind it. I, I, I really don't whatsoever. So Points um, are points. Right. Points points are points. Yeah, John o. Smith traded the Falcons uh, as a guy who loves Kyle Pitts, uh, invested in far too many of his rookie cards. I'm very, I'm very annoyed by that. I'm annoyed by the whole Falcons thing Ooh. altogether. Like we, we don't, we don't really have to try to see what happens if Derrick Henry was our only offense. Uh, but in Atlanta, Arthur Smith, don't you don't have to do that. Uh, but it, it seems like we're kind of on that trajectory again. Josh Oliver signs. There was a uh, Eric Saubert, I think the tight end for the Broncos, just signed a one year deal with the Dolphins. Of course, the Dolphins trade away Hunter Long, their backup backup tight end. Didn't resign Mike Jasicki, who still a free agent right now. That's possibly starter. Uh, I don't, I don't know how much value I find even in super deep best ball leagues right now and try to figure out uh, that you know conundrum. So hey, real quick add on Janu. Janu, I believe, is to be an H back at Atlanta. Oh, I believe, okay. Yeah, the, like the, the use check kind of thing. Yes, Arthur Smith used him frequently that way in Tennessee to have him in the backfield. And they could use him as a blocker. They could use him in the screen game. They could motion him out. Remember, Arthur Smith loves to use many, many different personnel packages, often with two and three tight ends on the field. This is a very versatile player who does specific functions that Arthur Smith likes. So I don't think he has any threat to Kyle Pitts' role, whatever that role is. We won't get into that. But I think John Smith is an H-back here. Okay, that's good. You know, that, that makes me feel a little bit more happy. Uh, I couldn't have been more annoyed when I saw that news. <laughs> and that yes. that the Falcons had to eat that contract because, I mean, that was the whole point with the Patriots is that he signed this ridiculous deal almost from day one and that they're not re- renegotiating it down. Or it's just, oh, yeah, here's John o. Smith for an absurd cap number. All right, Falcons, make sure you can use it. It's like, oh, okay, they're going to feel obligated to. Uh, I'm happy that if, if it is more of a use check, H-back role, sign me up. So that does it for us on the Wednesday edition of the Rotoway NFL Podcast. The free agent uh, beginning edition. We don't we don't acknowledge illegal tampering here in this podcast. Uh, we'll be back with the regular schedule programming, breaking down your divisions. Now recapping what teams have done in the offseason. Uh, NFC North still to come if you want more Packers rants from me. So stick around for all that more again. Uh, brought to you by Underdog. Thanks, everyone, for listening. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.